0: This is a special podcast about sight loss and the city produced by Sustrans in association with the Open City Podcast. Before we start, I want you to consider a street journey that you make regularly, with ease. Think about the crossings you make, the objects you pass, But how would your experience of this journey be different with a limited or absent sense of sight? That's what we'll think about today. My name is Lucy Atkinson. I work in collaborative design at Sustrans London, a charity that works with communities on walking and cycling projects. As Open City listeners, I think most of you probably want our public spaces to be accessible and welcoming for people. Especially those who are systemically marginalised. But time and time again on projects, we at Sustrans hear from those with lived experience or visual impairment that places are designed in ways that do not consider their needs and make those regular journeys really difficult. As designers and engagement specialists, we learn so much from conversations that we have with visually impaired people on our projects through street audits, interviews, and community engagement sessions. But all too often, these insights aren't shared beyond the project team. We wanted to change that. So, with funding from the Healthy Streets Officers Programme, supported by TfL, we explored sight loss and wayfinding in a borough with a notoriously changing town centre. We teamed up with sight loss charity Croydon Vision, a thriving community network Of hundreds of blind and partially sighted people and their families in South London. In autumn 2021, we sat down with members of the network for a series of discussions. They shared their stories of sight loss and the way that urban design impacts their journeys, from surface treatments to bins on the pavement. The audio was then turned into the piece you're about to hear by participatory artists Becky Darlington and Andy Field of House Projects. We know that with so many competing needs, there can never be a perfect public realm for everyone. But we also know that there is a lot we can do to include a wider range of voices in conversations about our city's spaces and design with empathy and care. We're really happy to be able to share this with you on the Open City podcast. Thank you to Merlin and the rest of the Open City team for their support. And, of course, to the interviewees for sharing their experiences. Enjoy.
2: I wasn't born blind. But I went blind in 2000 or uh, I lost the majority of my vision in 2019, January 2019. Um, I noticed that my vision was deteriorating uh, because I suffer with a condition called um, Bechet syndrome, which is an autoimmune disease. You know, you, you make the most of what you have. When, when life serves you lemons, you make lemonade or you make yourself orange juice and let people work out how you made it.
1: I live in Croydon, um, lived here for 25 years now originally from birmingham um gosh i went into a birmingham accent then <laughs> 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 yeah. and uh, yeah um i started to lose my sight um i see myself as being very blessed actually because i started to lose my i'm in my 60s now i started to lose my sight in my late 20s and it's been a very slow you know, because other people who have the same condition as myself, which is called RP, um, which is a hereditary condition. My mom has it also, but she's totally blind now. She lives in the Caribbean. I used to work in travel, which I enjoyed immensely. Um, you know, I travelled, well, we used to specialise in the Caribbean. The company I worked for, we specialised in the Caribbean. So that enabled me to get to the Caribbean quite a lot. I used to travel a lot throughout London, I'm anyone who knows me, I'm all over the place. I'm in East London, I'm in North London, I'm in South, I'm in West. Something going on, Maxine will be there, if it's interesting to me, you know. And uh, most times I could try, uh, quite happily go around by myself.
3: Originally I'm from Mauritius, but um, my husband is British, so I'm now currently living in Croydon. I'm glad to be in Cruden because I am visually visually impaired and I need magnifier, you know, to use in my daily life, you know, if I have to read something, and Cruden vision happened to be like walking distance from my house, so uh, I like Cruden for that reason.
4: I started losing my sight aged about 30, so up until that point I was a fully qualified Chartered Building Surveyor, which had taken me almost nine years to qualify for, including university and I was in my dream job and I was driving everywhere, I'd been driving for 10 years, got in the car, just drove everywhere, did everything, went everywhere, had a wonderful life basically and then this started happening to me. I would stopped driving, stopped reading, stopped playing my orchestra and basically my life sort of ground to a halt but I basically carried on because you do but in the meanwhile I've also been using assistive technology which is immensely helpful on um, iPhones and Android phones, which can help us get around and help us with our daily living, basically. of course, this stuff didn't exist 20 years ago when this all was happening to me, and I do wonder that if this technology today had been around then, whether I actually would have been able to carry on with my career as it was.
2: So, you know, I've lived in Croydon now for about 32 years, and so... You know when I newly lost my sight I didn't really go out I stayed in you know I was um, um, yeah I, I would say that I was scared to go out you know in in that um, you've got so many um, so many obstacles to get over you're not too sure how the how the general public are going to perceive you or how they're going to receive you you know now you know I realize I've lost my I've only lost my vision I haven't lost my capabilities or my abilities that I had before do you know what I mean so um and it's just about adapting to begin with I was quite embarrassed about using the white cane because it's you know everybody knows you have a disability it's something that's obvious you know I could I could stand on the street corner wearing my sunglasses and people just think I'm looking cool you know, you know? um <laughs> but as soon as you pull out your white cane then you know everybody knows you have a disability and you're not wearing your glasses cuz you're cool you know, um, you know it's, you're wearing them to shield your eyes. As
0: Don't you get older,
4: sense. your eyesight will start to fail. Because it just, it's just old age. Probably most people over 80, most people over 70, will have some level of hearing loss mm. or sight loss. So we're not talking about a, a, a minority group. We're going to be talking about a bigger and yes. a bigger and a bigger group as we all get older
1: so I can walk from my house straight down to Pearly Tesco's or something or the other, you know, and it's about a 20, 25-minute walk, but I don't mind that, you know, because it's all a straight road. I know where my hazards are. I know where the fencing are. If I'm outside of that now, going into a new area, I
2: approach cautiously, very cautiously. For me, I always take the same route to work and because I know there's... I know where most of the things are, most of the trip hazards are some of the obstacles that you come across you know that you know um, like missing pavement slabs. You know those um, metal things they have to tie your bike up with on the on, on the pavement so you can um, attach your your bicycle to it. Yeah. Um, so I find them a, a bit of a trip hazard because the the cane if it doesn't pick it up it's just about negotiating. Negotiating your way round things, round obstacles. Going around Croydon now. Oh gosh,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's been a bit of a well. That's been a bit of a nightmare. Don't go into the Whitgift Centre if I can help it, because there's lots of those pillars and things. And if you know those white pillars I'm talking about, they're all they're all over the place, you know. And the glass doors. Hmm. They're a joke, because sometimes I'm trying to find the door, you know? And uh, yeah, I'm thinking, OK, Kane, okay, here we go. But then at other times I'll stop and I will see where people are going in and out from. So that will make me realise where the doorway is. I mean, I know they want to display their things and make things bright, but the glass doors are very dangerous. I find them very dangerous. What there is also on
4: the high streets and roads and pavements at the moment, there's a lot more furniture around. Um, you know, people a lot more chairs for restaurants and stuff since the pandemic. Don't you know, trying to get people outside, and then when things blow over, they're just kind of sort of lying around.
1: Yeah, but the hazards, the scaffolding. I mean, I've walked into that numerous times, which is highly embarrassing. But sometimes it's just the
3: little things that are the big biggest obstacle. Um, I know I heard somebody else saying about potholes or yeah. pavement where it's not cl- there's not a clear delineation between the end of the pavement and the curb. Um, and I have fallen into the road a couple of times, um, which isn't very pleasant. Um, but also things like people's gardens with, o- with like just an overgrown mm-hmm. branch hanging over, which I don't see coming mm-hmm. um, until it's actually hit me in the yeah. eye. Um, Yeah and I've I've actually uh, ended up in hospital a couple of times with like really injured eyes just from somebody's overhanging branches Um, but probably my main bugbear is black bins because I I have um, like tunnel vision. Um, so I have a very restricted view of the world around me. So often, if I'm concentrating on not falling off the edge of the pavement, I don't, or going around a lamppost, I don't see
1: that there's a black bin on the other side of me, which I then career into. My getting around, it is getting a bit more, it's getting a bit harder, yes. Um, Croydon, they've done a fantastic job in widening the pavements. That's been really good. But I don't know what they've put on the pavement itself I don't know what color they're using or what they're using white paving stones but the glare from it when the sun reflects on that or even if it's rains it's just awful because you can't And you know you're on the pavement but you feel I feel a little bit uncomfortable because I can't actually see what's what because the sun is so you know reflecting so much off the the, the paving stones
2: in total, I would say one to, I would say there's about ten roads that I have to cross, um, you know, to get to work, and they're you know all varying degrees of uh, difficulty, you know, with regards to, it can be a one-way street, and so you're just listening out for traffic coming one way. Um, I try to avoid junctions uh, because then you've got traffic coming in four directions, and that, so that can be a bit confusing. So I will walk down from the junction. It may take me an extra five minutes. But at least I'm still alive.
5: I also don't like when cycle trails, you know, there's a, you have the cycle trails painted on the pavement and suddenly they switch sides or suddenly they stop or suddenly they start. And so you never know where you're meant to be as a pedestrian. I think that often the pedestrians are forgotten about. I think a lot of people who build the built environment, they only think about people in cars or people maybe on a bicycle, but they never really think that people are actually going to walk. You have all these sort of parks with big retail shops. Where are the pedestrians meant to go? There's always bits that miss. Um, you, you have the the maybe where the blue badge people, the, the disabled people park, then you have there's the pedestrian. Then suddenly there's a petrol station and where do the pedestrians go? There's no more so there's always little gaps here yeah. and there. It's like it's not thought through from A to Z. What's
3: tricky is I think some mm-hmm. of the time when you're at a bus stop and lots of buses is coming. And sometimes uh, at some bus stop they don't stop and, mm-hmm. unless you put your hand out. And, yeah, and it is a big yeah.
5: problem in London where there's mm. a lot of buses at the same stop. Even if you have the app, they're all there, you know, and it's actually quite hard to, to know which one is which because they, they come quick, they go quick, and it's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's not easy.
3: In the same way that the bus tells us where it's stopping, so we have the audio description on the bus, it would be really helpful as a blind person um, or visually impaired person to um, have some way at the bus stop of knowing what bus is coming. Because otherwise, I have to stop every bus that comes, and then because I'm in a chair as well, I have to go to the front of the bus and ask the driver what bus it is, by which time he's lowered
5: the ramp and then I have to say actually no I don't want you. I think what what would be really nice for me as a as a blind person is just to be able to open my front door and go where I want to go whether it's just walking or hopping in a car or a vehicle and it would take me and I wouldn't need my my eyes so to speak to to get there safely so whether it's uh, having an electronic guide dog that would walk next to me, or a drone, or a mobile phone that has eyes, electronic eyes, and that would spot if there's a low branch, if there's a bin, if there's a pothole, if there's a bicycle or a car coming, or, you know, if it's safe for me to walk, but, and, and that would take me there. It would sort of maybe help me get the right bus, help me on the right train.
4: I mean, what, what I really want and I don't think it's out there yet, is a joined up app which gives all the travel. I mean, you can you can plan a journey, it says, right, you can get a bus to here and you get off here and you get on another bus stop, and you get off at this station and you change this, at this station to get another train to there. But what you don't know is how to get to that next platform or where the bus stop is. It's, it's that level of detail, it's the joining up of the services. It's like the bits in between which, I think are still missing.
3: With our population getting older and older, mm-hmm. it's going to be vital that you know, we are more user-friendly than we are at the moment. Mm-hmm. I would really like every senior politician, to um, you know, the mayor and his um, top officials, to spend a day as a disabled person. Trying to go from A to B in London with a blindfold on, or trying to navigate um, the tube system in a wheelchair, um, because I think unless they have some lived experience of what it's like to be a disabled person, then they are not qualified to make the decisions that they make over how you know over what provision is made for the disabled in our community. I think when, um, you know, whether it's town planning or transport, you know, any big public project, it should be mandatory that there's a a sensory impairment um, team who advises on how it's going to work.
5: So, in a sense, I think that architects and people who actually are in that profession should have training themselves as Mm. well should have, you know, it should be, you know, they should be be made aware, it should be part of their profession, their professionalism, to actually, you know, understand or have some kind of insight into the needs of, of people who are disabled. It should be really, yeah, it should be there from the, when they are at university and they're learning how to become an architect. As we were saying, also consult, you know, consult the local people who are disabled, but at the right time, not once yeah. all the plans all done and all nearly agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because by that stage, it's nearly too it, late. If there any it's adaptations, then become an
3: expense yeah. rather than if it's been actually planned that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes the you know adaptations can be um, helpful to everyone. Yeah. You know, it you know it was put in place because it might help somebody with a visual impairment but actually it makes everybody's life easier.
5: I think that planners of the urban environment should consider the whole population. You're planning a town for everybody so you have to think of children, disabled people, older people, young people, able people and it is your 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 vision that everybody has the right to move around, to, to live in the environment and to enjoy it.